It's over. It's fucking over, bro. Uh, no, it's not. But hear me out. Okay. Today was like a long, long day. You know, my mom last night, you know, I'm still staying with my parents. My, my new job starts on my birthday. Nice, fat, six-figure job. But until then, pretty broke and, you know, staying at home. And, uh, you know, I'm in my cave. My mom knocks on the door and she's like, hey, uh, your aunt on my father's side uh, is going to come over tomorrow with uh, your cousin and, you know, they might stay the night. And I'm just like, and it's, it has, has nothing to do with, like, them as people. They're sweet people, very nice people. But I haven't seen them in 30 years. Or, or talk to them in that long. And for as much strife as I feel uh, in my current predicament, it's like I barely have the energy to not pretend to like my father. But like, again, we, we didn't grow up together. So it's just uncomfortable. And then, you know, the, the frustration I have with my mom. It's a lot of pretending all day. And if nothing bothers me more than being inauthentic. I don't do well, like pretending I'm happy or in a good mood. So when I'm not, it's like, but, and they're nice people. So I don't want them to incur, I don't want them to get the, the, the the runoff of my wrath indirectly. It's not because I have any issue with them. It's just like, I'm, I'm beat, you know, it's like, I've, I feel like I have a knife in my chest for my fucking heartburn as I drink a mango lime Rita. Uh, so, all that said, I, I just had to get out of the house. I was like, okay, well, let me stay somewhere tonight. And I don't have, like, friends around here. And it's, this is that doesn't mean, like, oh, I, I can't find anyone who wants to spend time with me. Well, I guess that's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm I whenever I come back to New York... I assume that everyone else's lives stayed on pause while I've been gone. And I expect to like just jump right back into the way things were with the people I used to spend time with. Many of which I don't even want to spend time with anymore, but I'm just like, well, all right, I'll just, you know, let's, let's, let's pop that tape in and run that back and it'll be okay. So in trying to find something to do on this beautiful Saturday evening, I was like, nobody. I just don't have those relationships here anymore and I shouldn't and and that's what's interesting so I just spent all I drove I was gonna go like see a girl in Long Island and I was like I don't fucking feel like driving two hours to Long Island and because then you do your your anxiety brain does the whole well you got heartburn now what if you're hanging out with her and you get the heartburn then and then your back starts to hurt and then you're not fun but then you're stuck there and you got to drive two hours back and you got to leave I, this is what an anxious brain does and why I desperately probably need to be medicated. Uh, so I didn't. So I just drove to Danbury, which was kind of on the way. I was like, well, let me just drive in that direction. And I drove to Danbury, and I went to Whole Foods, and I spent two hours there. I bought, like, some sushi and a, you know, a yerba mate, and I just sat in my car in Danbury, Connecticut, just staring and thinking. And then I started texting other people, just, like, f- friends, just, like, or, or people that I'm friendly with. I'm like... There's got to be somebody I can, like, hang out with. I just want to, like, spend some time with people. And, uh, zero. There's just no one. 
and let me rephrase that. Now, there may be people listening who are geographically close to me, who I do care about deeply and know that, but it's just not how it used to be, where it's like, all right, let's just, let's just crack a couple of 40s and we'll just sit on somebody's couch and we'll just chill. Let's just hang out and chill. It's not that. Like, you have to make appointments with people. You can't be uh, spontaneous with hanging out. And I, and I get that. I'm not, like, criticizing anybody, particularly my age group. Everyone's just got plans and, and, and obligations, and I never do. <laughs> and Because I, I never had to. And living this, you know, vagabond, Byronic hero, in my own mind, lifestyle... I never owed anyone a time frame. And now that either by virtue of this uh, post-COVID cultural PTSD we have slash approaching my late 30s and let's be real, almost 40s, people just don't operate that way. And again, I'm aware of the the narcissism here. I'm just like, hey, you know, I snapped my fingers and people didn't want to immediately hang out. But there was a time where it was kind of like that. So again, this is this is me facing that reality. This isn't me blaming other people. This is me accepting and realizing like, you know, this is the cost of your emotional ambivalence with people that you care about. And it's hard. It's a hard, you know, it's like trying to play musical chairs now. I'm trying to find a seat at the table, which poetically my father mentioned in one of our brief conversations uh, after him getting out of prison that, you know, he view, you know, he feels like, you know, he's on the sidelines of people playing hopscotch and he's trying to find his way to jump into the rope game, the rope game, the skipping of the rope. He's trying to find his way uh, into people's lives that way. And that's, I fucking hate how much our lives parallel each other, but are completely different. God damn it, universe. Uh, and let me mind you, let me just say, I, I, I have learned to accept, or I, I've learned to have a great deal of sympathy for my father. To me, he is a symptom of events, not necessarily, well, he definitely earned his spot in prison, I suppose, but, but he also didn't, because according to the information that has been given to me, he was doing good in a, in a weird way, uh, but I won't get into those details. Um, he's like Negan. If you're watching Dead City, my father's like Negan, kind of. My father's very much like Negan. Uh, charismatic, just beating people up with baseball. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, that is, it, and, you know, I guess the point of all that is that I, I'm giving up on trying to find my way back into people's lives. You know, those doors have closed in a lot of ways. And, you know, these people will always be a part of my life. There'll there always be, you know, friendliness. But um, for me to expect people to just stop what they're doing and just be like, all right, well, stop the, stop the presses. Commodore Duval George Culpepper has returned. The prince has returned from the Crusades. Let us celebrate. It's like, yeah, it's not, it's not, that's not how it, should work and I can't expect it to so you know driving across the Hudson Valley all day and sort of I'll go here I'll, I'll check this out or I'll text this person it's just I'm not supposed to be here and I know that and you know you get to the point in your life where you accept that 
not the mistakes necessarily, but the decisions that you've made have a cost. And, you know, that cost is uh, people not waiting for you. And I'm sure my father feels the same way. But seemingly, a lot of people waited for him, waited for him. So that's what's kind of annoying. <laughs> my dad's got all these family members and my mom, you know, who's just like, all right, you're home, all right, let's, let's just... But maybe that's not the case for him either. Maybe I'm just, they just got home. Oh, God, my God. Sweet woman. Very nice woman. I, I haven't seen you in 30 years, and I don't have the energy. Well, uh, let's see what happened. Um, you know, the chronic anxiety really peaked somewhere about three or four years ago during the pandemic. Started getting debilitating heartburn. Uh, that developed into my esophagus narrowing where I can't eat many solid foods. Uh, had Lyme disease. Uncertain, you know, I just I don't fucking have the time or the energy to update anyone. Just want to be left the fuck alone. But there's the, but isn't, but there's the irony in that. Just want to be left the fuck alone but couldn't find anybody to, be, to hang out with all day. Man, I really painted myself. This is just like, this is this does this feel like Greek? This feels like a Greek tragedy. My life fucking just became a, a Greek tragedy. All right, maybe that's extreme. But weren't Greek tragedies also comedies? Wasn't that didn't isn't that what they called comedies back back in ancient Greece? They were they were just like it was so fucked up it was funny. <laughs> it's kind of how it feels. It's so fucked up it's funny. Hey, um, your father, who, uh, I'm gonna, he's gonna live here now. Oh, when? Tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hope you guys are doing okay. But I got you, but again, the silver lining, again, we don't, we don't mope on Ouch My 30s. We learn something. And now I just feel razor focused. It's like, there, there's no one to hang out with. There, there's, there's no relationship I'm gonna find here. That's going to be like, yeah, okay, I can, I can tolerate being in this very shitty situation. No, I need to continue to focus on what I have been doing, which is going to the gym pretty much every other day, if not every day, swimming, you know, getting these guns back uh, and feeling really good about that. It's just the social, I mean, I can't get, I can't talk to nobody. I can't get a fucking smile out of a girl out here, up here to save my fucking life. And I know it's not me. You know, you put the old Commodore in uh, other situations, you know, he can at least get a smile or a smirk. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty gnarly. But I, I shouldn't be here. And my buddy Brian would just stare at me like fucking... Uh, I can't think of a good... Like, I told you so, look. <laughs> but I had to. I had to come back here. I had to hit the reset button. I've been trying to carry these burdens for too long, trying to fix myself on the go riddled with debt, battling different health issues, and I just need to look them in the face here while I have this luxury, and it is a luxury to be able to sit rent-free at my family's place while I wait for, you know, a very lucrative job to start. I can really look into myself and try to solve for X as much as I can so that when I do return to a place where I do belong and I can go to places where I'll be socially and intellectually stimulated, I won't be hobbled by these things that have been stalking me like an evil specter so and i encourage you to do the same you know if you have the opportunity to slow down you know if you're if you have that anxiety of like i'm not where i should be or with the people i should be or doing the things i should be 
if that if in that you have some time or some space to look at things that you've been maybe kicking down the road, get them done. Take care of them. Book the appointment. Go to the dentist. Go to the therapist. Go see that doctor about that weird pain if you can, if you have the luxury of, of insurance. And just take care of yourself if other if your relationships with other people aren't. You know? Because right now I got nobody. <laughs> nobody close. Nobody close. The people I want to spend time with. And even there are people around here, but it's just like everything's like a fucking 45 minute drive. <sighs> yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Love and marriage, love and marriage. Go together like a horse and carriage. This I tell you, brother. You can't have one without the other. What else I want to talk about? Ah. Uh. Yeah, I just, like, I'm just, I mean, it's so fucked. I just have all this energy to, like, well, <laughs> I have all this desire to uh, be with people, but, like, people who properly stimulate me. And, and really, with one hand, I can count who those people are in my life. It's like, you know, if I'd have my buddy Brian, I'd be, man, they're... <laughs> You may not be listening to this. This, you know, and I know he listens to this. So yes, Brian, I love you. Love you very much. Uh, and people give up on you, you know. And, and oh, this is what I was thinking about. Where it's really easy to be a good friend or a supportive friend, quote unquote, when the problems that person are facing don't involve their ability to communicate them to you, you know. That's that. That's really nice. Where it's just like, oh, I'm dealing with this, and I can tell you, and boom, and that, and the the other friend knows. But if the problem you're dealing with is that you have a lot of trouble communicating what your problems are, you know, it's it's a lot harder to be that good friend. And that's when you know the soup sticks to the spoon, and that's when it's like, not necessarily to blame other people, but I think the uh, the, the the quality and the um resilience of the friendship is really measured by that you know can they be a good friend when you're not being the easiest person to deal with and my buddy brian has been that you know he's you know there's there's he's never there's never been a time where this, where this guy's like hey too much too much yeah i can't deal with it. you know I've, I've never had that moment with him uh and you know that's uh, to me that's fucking rare because there because most people have some breaking point, uh, and maybe I have one or two others. Yeah, for sure, but not many. To quote Doc Holliday, when he's uh, helping Wyatt Earp track down the Cowboys, he's talking to another guy. He's like, "Yeah, why the hell are you out here helping Wyatt? You look like shit." Uh, I don't have many friends. Or no, with the the other guy goes like, well, shit, he's my. Or no, Doc Holliday goes, he's my friend, and the other guy goes, hell, I got a lot of friends, and then Doc Holliday goes, I don't. 
So I don't know. There's this lo- loyalty is important to me too, as I've gotten older. That's the other quotient. You know, your 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 ability to stand by people when they're shitty, uh, or not even shitty, but just like they're clear, they're trying to do better. That's the difference. I mean, because I had another buddy who uh, I won't say his name because he's doing so well financially and professionally. Um, he. He was very happy being a piece of shit, you know, and he knew better, you know, that the choices and things that he did, you know, he was like, yeah, I know it's, it's a horrible thing to do, but I choose to. And that's the person you look at and you're like, uh, okay, this was cute when we were 17, we're almost 40. Like this is, this is the, this is the man you've, you've, uh, congealed into. So that person, I, I have to kind of love it at a distance, but the person who is like, uh, I'm, you know. I'm doing my best or like I'm aware you, you can, you can, I can have patience for that person, you know? So yeah. Anywho, um, I think we've, I think we had a nice little chat. I feel good about this chat. You feel good about this chat? Yeah. I feel good about this chat. I guess I'll, uh, go confront my estranged family members. Not confront. They're again. They're sweet people. I. I. They. I just. I wish if I was happier. If I just like if my helicopter from my, you know, industrial, you know, aerospace company flew here to land and I got out in a white suit and was like, hello, kisses. All right, let's go have a cocktail. I'd be in a much better place to deal with them. But when I'm just like sitting here slovenly in absolute, you know, isolation as I battle myself. I just don't have the energy for that. So I hope if anyone related to my family is listening to this, you understand what I'm saying. It's not you. It's me. And my mom and dad. (sighs) All right, kiddos. Well, we talked about friendship. What is a friend? What is a friend? That is the question. All right, let's end on this. I'm going to end on reading like a GQ excerpt. This is from... All right, this is from uh, January 1988, GQ. Tom Hanks is on the front of the magazine. He's wearing a very smart-looking gray two-button suit. Uh, I don't know who made it, but I just want to read a little excerpt to give you guys a snapshot into the things that once were. This is titled, Why I Wear What I Wear, the Bicoastal Style of J. Chiat. Soon after Chiat Day's New York office opened in 1980, I'm assuming that's a fashion house, there was an advertising award ceremony in which the agency walked off with the lion's share of trophies. All right, it's an ad agency. I wonder if it's still around or if they got bought by somebody. This isn't the article. This is me pontificating. All right, back to the article. It was a heady evening for Chairman J. Chiat who pioneered the Los Angeles-based agency's eastward expansion at a time when West Coast advertising was judged to be of the same quality of New York State wine. Decidedly (laughs) second-rate. Oh, I miss 80s yuppie culture. The night's only damper came from the MC, who repeatedly mispronounced Shiat's name. It's Shiat. Oh, Shiat. Oh, well, pardon fucking me. That's Duval talking again. Back to the article. When he went up for the last of the awards, Jay Shiat grinned and leaned into the microphone, giving the correct pronunciation. 
You'll be hearing more from us, he triumphantly vowed. He was right. Consistently winning awards, Shiat Day has created some of the most memorable advertising of the decade. Among the irreverent agency's best work are the Aurelian 1984 ad that introduced Apple's Macintosh computer, which appeared only once on network TV during Super Bowl uh, X58, that's uh, 18, Uh, but is still talked about in advertising circles. The splashy Louie Louie surfer ads for for California Cooler and the wordless building-sized murals for Nike. Last August, she, all right, this is ridiculous. But if you if you like this kind of shit, may, let me know because I'll read more of it. Uh, 1988, January GQ, Tom Hanks on the cover. All right, guys, uh, I feel vindicated. Um, I hope you have a great night, and I love you. Thank you. This has been Ouch, My 30s.